previously on box cutters. <coughs> okay. All right. I think I've coughed enough. <coughs> no, I'm gonna cough. No, we all want to. Do it. We all. Ne- everyone's doing it. Yeah. Brenna, would you like Brenna? to cough? <coughs> uh, real cough. <laughs> yeah, faking that one, Brenna. Jesus. <laughs> it was better in rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> he had his ball and he's back at the mark and John just came in and whipped yeah. the bells off. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 326. Get it off my chest. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. In uh, this I'll, I'll just episode. take my bra back there, Josh. In this episode of Box Cutters, we are going to talk about the Mindy Project. We've got a Just Don't Bother, mm. which I'm so excited about because it's been a long time, John Richard, since we've had one. Uh, the very special show is going to be a Just Don't Bother. We have Letters to Box Cutters. We have one thing. We're going to finish it up with pork with a cherry on top from Brenna Courtney Glazebrook, who is also in the studio. Good evening, everybody. It's, it's been an interesting week of, uh, of television because the US had their Thanksgiving and therefore, a lot of things have been on hold, but a lot of shows have had uh, Thanksgiving episodes, which Australians mm-hmm. just don't care about mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been uh, – it, it's always been interesting, I think, for, for me growing up with American television and seeing all this stuff about Thanksgiving and wondering what it's all about. And uh, I, I remember distinctly the Brady Bunch uh, Thanksgiving episode where they make a little film about the pilgrims coming and – uh, they pretend to make it snow in California. And oh, I remember that. A, yeah, yeah, it's a terrible episode. See, the weird thing is I remember that because I remember the snow effect and thinking, oh, I'd like to try that at home. I'd forgotten the Thanksgiving element of it completely. Right. Yeah, right. To, well, to me, that whole episode is about people trying to make snow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also, that's a Beverly Hills 90210 uh, episode, but that was Christmas. <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, Growing up in Australia and, and seeing all this you know, sense of how important Thanksgiving is from from watching on television, that it's it's a huge, huge holiday. Uh, and then having spent a couple of Thanksgivings in the US and realising it's just an opportunity for people to eat a lot and watch football. Isn't it really just the uh, the eve of click frenzy? <laughs> yeah, well, now it is. I, I was going to say, isn't Thanksgiving just the American Christmas? Well, it is, it is when people go home. Because it does seem that's, to... That's what I find weird, is that the things, all the things we think of that you do at Christmas, you know, the, the, the eating too much, the being with your family, you know... Um, all the things that we would put into a Christmas special always seem to end up in Thanksgiving specials in America, which always makes me wonder, what do they do at Christmas? I'm not quite sure. Well, there's what... nothing on the telly, so they can't show the Christmas, but the Thanksgiving. Ah, oh, so can. you think it's actually a, a ploy by television producers to shift the important uh, events into the can't one that's... Can't have ratings. a show about Christmas before Thanksgiving. Ooh. Well, in fact, was there a Thanksgiving before there was a CBS? CBS invented Thanksgiving. I think CBS invented Thanksgiving. And, Do you know uh, that the Canadians have Thanksgiving as well on a completely different It's in yeah. October. Yeah. Well, the president did actually move Thanksgiving back to the second last Tuesday of Thursday of, of November uh, in response to the retailers wanting more time for Christmas. What? Why were you That actually happened. When? Who? That actually Who? happened. It when? used to be the last Thursday of November. It got shifted back to the second last Thursday of November. I think you're talking nonsense. Which president did that? Yeah. Bre- Brenna, Brenna, could you please look up which US president shifted, shifted Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving back a week? Okay. Yes, I can. Remember when Box Cutters was all about television? Well, it still is. I tried to make it all about television, then it just became about US politics. <laughs> and history. Which, which probably, probably is, uh, is why we start every show by kicking things off with the Box Cutters news. People fill our lives with joy, and then they die. That's what happened this week to Larry Hagman. He, uh, he, he spent a lot of his time filling our lives with joy. Uh, a lot of people learnt to hate him as J.R. Ewing. A lot of people learnt to be completely ambivalent at him. Uh, when, as uh, Major Nelson. As Major Nelson. But, but he, he was uh, instrumental in, uh, in many shows that uh, 
that have led to Aaron Jones. He passed away during during the week. He was, though, it's worth pointing out, it was in the second highest rated US uh, entertainment show of all time, the, um, the revolution to the Who Shot JR storyline in, mm. in Dallas. 41 million viewers. 41 million viewers. It's just almost impossible wow. to understand those hey, numbers. Just in America. Just in America. Um, it's the second highest rating entertainment show in the US history, trailing only the MASH finale in 83, which had 50 million viewers. If you're listening, uh, if you're listening in 1981, two bits of information that could win you a lot of money. It was Bobby Ewing, and it wasn't a chicken. It was actually a baby. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> What's that second one from? That's MASH. Chicken Baby. Yeah. It's a show, a show called Chicken Baby. Chicken Baby was awesome. <laughs> um, Larry Hagman actually died in Dallas, possibly ironically. He was there filming uh, new episodes of, of, of D- Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they were up to the... Dallas episode? <laughs> they were the sixth episode of season two. So I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with that. But apparently uh, Dallas was considered a hit by TNT. And uh, it's going to begin airing January 28th, series two. I think, uh, I think the producers were preparing for that, that... Uh, they did have, uh, they did bring back an aging cast to tie in the uh, the previous series with the current series, and there was always chance that uh, that these people were just too old to to keep going on. So I'm sure they have contingencies in place. Uh, and so also been surrounded by friends and family, including Linda Gray, his on screen wife. Oh, lovely! In the, in the original series, uh, he died of cancer of some sort. Who else is dead this week, John Richards? Oh, I, I got to Brett Cropley for all my dead people news. Brett Cropley, who else is dead this week? Emily Squires, who died at 71. Now, you may not know her, but uh, she was a long-running director of Sesame Street, uh, going from 1982 to 2007 and also writing for the program. Well, and Sesame Street news brings us to the, uh, the some would say, the biggest news. It all happened so quickly, all, all within a week. The Kevin Clash story. If you want details, we're not going to go into details, but we will say Kevin Clash is no longer going to be uh, the performer behind Elmo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elmo will be uh, performed by a different actor, and Kevin Clash is leaving the Sesame Street workshop uh, to uh, to do other things. Really, Google News. Kevin Clash, you'll find all the details. Yeah, it's a complicated but, and, and somewhat odd story. What what else could Kevin Clash do? I don't want to make that sound dismissive to Kevin Clash's talent, but I was just thinking it's interesting that he's a puppeteer. I mean, what? Well, there there are lots of there are lots of opportunities. I, I think one one of the uh, one of the issues, and and let's just say that he was uh, he he resigned under tawdry circumstances. Yeah. No, no one's coming out well from this. Story. No, no one is coming out well. Uh, he. Uh, he he resigned, but uh, a production that was not as child focused, not as reliant on the goodwill of parents who might not know the nuances of of the situation. Mm-hmm. He will get more work. Sure. He will he will continue on. That being said, I believe he's worth a hundred billion dollars. So he's probably okay for the moment. He's probably okay for the moment. It's just the combination of the circumstances under which he had to resign and the production that he had to resign from. That's that that is a a large part of it. So Kevin Clash having been a guest on on our show, we thought it's worth mentioning. It's not worth going into the details for. Brett, you found an interesting piece about the ACCC. Something from the register in the UK, which they do cover a lot of stuff that uh, goes on in Australia. It's everything kind of technological. Uh, The ACCC has uh, put a submission into an inquiry being run by the Australian Law Reform Commission, uh, which is looking at bringing copyright law into into line with the digital economy. Um, Their submission... Can I I, I summarise? Because it's it's already confusing because there are so many... Uh, organizations that we're not aware of. Basically, this is about looking at copyright law and the current environment and current attitudes towards copyright mm-hmm. and trying to bring copyright law in line with the attitudes of the of the people. Yes, is, and, is and, that it? and what actually happens. And the ACCC has actually gone, uh, uh, the, the actions of copyright holders saying that uh, the blunt instrument of 
copyright law is a bit of a crutch in the hands of lazy businesses, basically saying that uh, they're, they're, they're trying to hold on to their dinosaur business models while the world moves on, and uh, copyright law should actually more reflect the real world. We'll send. Uh, we'll, we'll put a link uh, on the Boxcutters blog article. to that also. article, which also links to the Australian Law Reform Commission list of submissions, which is very confusing to to go through. I tried going through it, and I don't even know where to begin to look. But you're welcome to look. What that I think means for you, John Richards, is that you can go back do season one of Outland again with all of the uh, potential copyright infringements that you wanted to put into it. But I couldn't. Yeah, but couldn't because lawyers were too lazy. <laughs> is that <laughs> that's what? Gist, is that, that's that's my understanding. That, that, actually, that's probably about right. Speaking of people being uh, too lazy or not wanting to do stuff, John? Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Is it Chevy or Chevy? I don't really know. It's probably Chevy. Oh, it's it? just shut up and get back to chewing your yeah, saliva, I old know. man. Um, he's been a, a bit of a, a bit of a thorn in the side of community. The much loved sitcom, something around this around this studio, mm. uh, and in fact. I think it's probably not unfair to say he's one of the reasons why Dan Harmon got pushed out of his own show in the first place. Mm. I think he was seen as the star by certain money people, perhaps, because he was a name. Anyway, he's been a bit of a problem from the beginning, which is also why they made him a villain, I think, in season two, which that's what you do when you get annoyed. And he has quit. He's quit the show in the middle of the, well, towards the end of the 13 episodes, which make the season four, which is not being run by Dan Harmon, which no one expects the show to be continued from anyway. He has, by mutual agreement, um, agreed to leave the show yeah really he's really leaving when it means nothing well the weird thing is they've already filmed the final episode for the season but it, but they haven't filmed episodes 11 and 12 just the, the, the shooting schedule so he will disappear for two episodes reappear for one more no one's really expecting another season in community but if there was i actually the thing is, i don't think i don't think it matters i think he's, he's a character you could lose quite easily Anyway, from the show, there's already enough characters just bring in there. Chang in a bit more, but but you don't even need to. But there's you know just just give Shirley a bit more to do because she's always been a bit underrealized anyway in that show. So so yeah, so Chevy Chase, who's been being just miserable about everything, has now been shown the door. In uh, news, just in, Chevy Chase says to John Richards, "If you love Shirley so much, why don't you marry her?" <laughs> and, uh, then he, and then he used the N word because that was the story. From yeah, a few yeah, weeks that back. was yeah. Which actually, to be fair, he was trying to make a point about his character. And I think people took that out of anyway. Go on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no it's, that's 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 relevant. I think it gets to a point though where you become known for a certain thing amongst the people that you're working with that nobody's going to listen to you and everybody's going to take everything out of context yeah. just because they don't like you. Yeah. I, I, I believe no one liked him and he didn't like anybody. That that's pretty much. He, did, he famously did quote uh, a saying that um, that he basically took the show just to make some money. The hours are hideous and it's still a sitcom on television, which is probably the lowest form of television. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, yes. And the Chevy Chase show. Anyway. Yeah. This uh, is from a man who made the vacation movies. Let's just point that out. Hey, hey. Vacation was a good film. European Vacation, not so great. And uh, Christmas Vacation, yeah. terrible. But Actual Vacation, that was that was a good film. Shut up. <laughs> Tell me about the International Emmys. Well, I've, not, I've not heard of this thing. They are clearly the most glittering prize in all of television. The International television Emmys. Television-dom. Television-dom. Uh, Monday 19th uh, of, of November, the International Emmys were awarded. And it's actually quite of interesting. We always talk on this show about, we, we try to take an international look at television, but we very rarely look at non-English language programming uh, because it's, it's often quite hard to find or you know, to find a version which is subtitled so we can read it. And but, I'm, not, I'm just not willing to learn that many languages. No, no, which is because I always wanted to watch the Spanish version of Life on Mars, which uh, I never managed to find a subtitled version, so oh. I've, I've never had a chance to that. Uh, but the awards were held for the International Emmys. So, again, much loved show by this program. Black Mirror won the award for Best TV Movie Miniseries, the Charlie Brooker series, Series 2, I believe, is being written as we speak. Cannot wait. Um, and uh, the other English uh, winner there was Terry Pratchett Choosing to Die, a documentary um, about Terry Pratchett choosing... To, to die. To die, pretty much. It's in the title. He, he, is, uh, uh, he is dying. He has uh, uh, Alzheimer's, I, I believe. And, uh, something degenerative. And yeah. he, yes, he has something degenerative. He wants to be able to control his own death. Mm-hmm. And that's a documentary about that. And that won the best documentary. The best drama went to a French police drama called Baco, or possibly Braco, um, which is from Canal Plu. And this is the one that surprised me a bit. The non-scripted entertainment category was won by Active TV, Seven Network, ABC Studios for The Amazing Race Australia. 
So The Amazing Race Australia won the International Emmy for Non-Scripted Entertainment. Which it really deserved because it was fantastic. Uh, Active TV, we've seen them grow from uh, the first season of uh, Amazing Race Asia, uh, which you may have heard referred to here as the Asian race, uh, and and develop their... Uh, their skills in producing the amazing race to to a point where we're now seeing uh, we're now seeing tasks in US amazing race that active TV's versions have already tried and mm-hmm. tested uh, they're doing they're doing great work so congratulations to to them they're from Melbourne yeah so well done them and best actor and actress interestingly went to the same drama which is an Argentinian drama uh, which down here. I'm not sure how the X is going to be pronounced, but it's something like Television X La Inclusion. Um, inclusion. Uh, and that was Daria Grandinetti and Christina Benegas who won for that. And I actually thought that might be an interesting thing for us to do in a future... Is go to the International Emmys? Well, I was going to say to actually watch the shows that win the International Emmys as a package to see if we can... I'm, I'm happy to do that too. Yeah, yeah. But let's just go. Both would be good. Where are they, where are they held? Uh, on the internet. Oh. No, I don't know. That's I, official. No, I, 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 this does not tell me, unfortunately. Damn you, Guardian, for leaving out that important piece of information. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, this is Bobby Flynn, and it's been enlightening to be on Box Cutters. Now, without Beverly, we are going to have to hire a new nurse, Danny. Oh, oh, no, wait. I want to do it. Yeah, right. No, please, please let me do it. Now that I'm in my mid-20s to early 30s, I just really want to take on more of a leadership role here. And as a woman of color, Frank, oh, come it's on, important this again? No. I like that kind of pluck. Okay. Mindy, you will be in charge of hiring the new nurse. Okay, okay. So just for the record, this responsibility has been given to someone that's got a chocolate fountain in her office. This is amazing. People love this. And guys, I didn't say meeting adjourned. The Mindy Project is... Uh, is, is a TV series that uh, is created by Mindy Kaling, who you might remember from the US version of The Office. She was uh, a writer and actor on, on that show. She was in the Annex. In the Office. In the Annex. Yep. Yep. The, the little area was called the Annex. Ah. She was okay, over there with that. Toby. Yes. And, yep. Yes. Uh, and uh, and she, uh, she plays a, a character named uh, Mindy Lahiri who is uh, a, a doctor and uh, and she is a single doctor and she goes through the trials and tribulations of being a uh, single uh, doctor, doctor with some ethnicity uh, trying to find uh, a mate but also be respected in her field. Is that right? Is that- yeah, I think when you, when, you, when you boil it down to just the, the bold plot description though it probably gives less of a I know, and this is this is kind, kind of, kind of my point. Yeah. That uh, with, with this and with go on. Uh, it's interesting, you can go on because that was just crossing my head. But go on, go on. Uh, with with this and go on, the uh, the the concept of uh, of plot doesn't really matter to to the show itself. It could be any setting, any characters. It, it's more about the the reactions and the personal journey uh, that really aren't that informed by uh, by what the character does for a living or what the uh, what the adventures of each episode but are. Am I taking though from from your from your way? You don't have a tone from your lack of tone. I mean, are you saying that's a bad thing? Is that your, is that your your feel? Is that your take? No, I just I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because you can still. Uh, you can still write some really entertaining comedy. It's 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 more a trend that I'm noticing, uh, or a, a pattern that I've noticed mm-hmm. recently uh, with with sitcoms. Like you can do the same thing with with Community. If you say it is it is about a, a group of people who go to community college and they form a, a study group and take some classes together. Yeah, it doesn't There's sound like in the concept. It, it doesn't sound like a fantastic well, show. It's really interesting because. Um I mean, with this show, I hate the name Mindy and I hate the word project in the title of anything. Mm-hmm. So I went in with really low expectations and I actually quite liked the three episodes that I watched earlier today. The weird thing is I actually found the first one to be the best. And I think there was a slight diminishing returns on them. Um, but it was interesting, that thing, because like, now you point out that she works as a doctor. They work in a, like a clinic 
uh, the, the, the hire a new nurse in one of the episodes. But in fact, yeah, none of that's really relevant to the plot. And I don't mind that so much. Like, clearly, it's a place to put them together. And like you're saying, they could be anywhere. They could be, they could be in an office. They could be, you know, working in a school. And, and yeah, now you're putting on a show, well, is it a bad thing that they, because the medical stuff would have been quite boring if they'd focused on that in a way. It was interesting because this is purely a style exercise, I, I felt. You know, like you're saying, there's nothing about the plots of the characters necessarily that's new. But that first episode in particular seemed to be doing a really interesting single camera comedy thing that it was dialing down the comedy. There's a lot of very funny jokes mm. in there and they've and done really well. But compared to something like, say, Community or 30 Rock, which is hitting the jokes, this was almost deliberately burying the jokes and doing something I love in shows, which is where a character will actually say, oh, that's quite funny to someone. I love it when people do respond to a funny joke by pointing out it's funny like people do in real life. And, and that was in the first episode in particular. Yes. There's some very nice jokes that are referred to like that. I watched, I watched this so long ago that I can't remember if I, I've seen two episodes or three episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it may have only been two episodes. And I was not, I, I was not very impressed by it. I, I, think she is, I think she is great. I think she is a great talent. I don't think she's using herself to to her fullest extent, I think uh, the I was used to seeing her character on on the office pushed to new levels, mm-hmm. new levels of uh, of being self absorbed, and how how far could she go to maintain this uh, horrible character that she, that she was in in the office? Uh, and in the in the Mindy project, it seems like she just doesn't have as full a sense of of her character. Or I wonder if it's more a sense that, because uh, I did feel that first episode was the best for me, and, and I almost felt like I wanted her to, to dial it all down. Like, I think the, the closer it got to girls, the better it would get. Like, if it was actually, it's almost like girls is buried in that show. Like, it actually wants to be a dramedy that's quite quiet, but is sort of being a comedy at the same time. But I don't know. I mean, there's, there's some stuff that d- definitely made me laugh out loud. The first episode is a lovely, you know, spoiler joke, um, lovely bit at the beginning where She's doing this voiceover about meeting this guy in, a, in an elevator and, and how they fell in love and she would love romantic comedies. And then it cuts to this police woman saying, yeah, this isn't really explaining how you got arrested. And it's just such a great kind of gag to go, you know, this is the, the, the twee world of Mindy's you know, brain versus what the real world is. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I... And that, that opening set up an, an expectation or a hope for me where uh, I really wanted, and because of the word project in, in the title... I really wanted each episode to be a different character in search of romantic comedy. It is a weird title because it really just like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Is it, is it a title like Jake in Progress? Well, I think it's meant to be. Yeah, I think that's the, the joke. Cause she, so, she, so the project is to, to get Mindy coupled up. and, and Well, Mindy to be a better yeah. person because she makes those comments about, oh, I used to be like that in my 20s and now I'm trying to change. I'm trying to grow up. I'm trying to be this person. But it is, it is slightly offhand in a way that makes you... Yeah, I actually maybe that's what it is. It's, the show just feels unsure of what it is, mm. perhaps. So I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. There yeah. are there are great bits where you see her home life as a child, and the Indian culture, I, I believe, is a culture that isn't widely represented on on American television. It's something that we've seen Unlike a lot in, here, where in we have a, Indian characters and everything. Yeah, we, we're really great at representing Indian characters. But we've them. seen we've seen a lot coming from the UK. Yes, that is true. Uh, and and so where. We're quite aware of what it what things are like inside an Indian household, uh, and it's interesting to see similarities between Indian households in uh, England, uh, Australia, and and the US. How yeah. there, there aren't there aren't that many differences, but also that someone is showing an ethnicity other than black or white on or big fat and Greek. On uh, on American television, well, there's, there's one episode where they're, uh, and I felt probably the weakest episode where, as a group, the as a sort of work outing, they all go out to this nightclub, and it's an interesting bit where she's basically saying, "Oh, these are uh, footballers or some American sports people." I didn't know what sport they play, and she's going, In the VIP area. And she was, yeah, she's going, "Oh, no, black people love me." And I was going, "Shut up! You can't say she, no, no. I can say that black people really love you." And it's just really interesting to see, uh, you know, one minority referring to another minority and all the white people freaking out, going, "No, no, 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 no you're not allowed to say that stuff." And that is actually kind of fun but yeah i don't know it's funny it's a, it's a weird it's a slippery show it to is, review it is, it is a slippery show brett, brett also, why did you love it 
Why did you love the pants off of this? This, this is a bit like uh, Go On again. It's uh, it's a show you can do while while playing around with your second screen. Yeah, while, while yeah, yeah, yeah. So Can you not talk about that here? <laughs> but but no, it's because so, we going to take it back to doing the ironing, but I mm. don't do ironing. Um, so so you can we definitely can tell. you can definitely tweet while you're uh, while you're watching this. I'm very distracted by Christmas Cena. Um, who's who's also another gynecologist? Um, who's also uh, his character is a, a gynecologist. Uh, yes, yes. yes. Um, he's he plays a, a fairly pivotal character in the newsroom, um, and and I'm very much thinking of his character there, brought in as a as a gynecologist. And, is he and, is he the tough guy in this? Who's the the, the sort of more rougher doctor that she works with? That there's a slight will there, won't they? Or am I? Um, he's he's the the short, dark, kind of stubbly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Da- Danny Castellano. Yeah, Castellano, Castellano, Castellano. Yeah. That sounds right. Who's meant to be a bit more street? Because he went and saw and, Springsteen. And, you know, they're they're fairly competitive. They they both want to be, uh, you know, I guess head of department in the clinic that they're in, and and want to um, have the responsibility for, for hiring and firings and and stuff along those lines. So there's there's quite a bit of competition between them. But I'm I, I'm Continually distracted by him walking along with uh, um, what's his face in the newsroom and giving him the figures. Right. See, I completely forgotten he was in the newsroom because that's that's how indelible that show was to me. <laughs> um, it, it actually does raise that there are a lot of characters in this show, and I, I would probably argue too many. Now, I did see an article over the week saying that they're dumping one of the characters and cutting back one of the others. Okay, that that would make sense because there do seem to be a lot of people, and I'm not quite sure the show can can focus on that many to any successful degree. It uh, it airs on Fox in, uh, in the US, which is interesting because it was originally commissioned by NBC. And uh, the original title was going to be It's Messy, which is kind of a better title and kind of a worse title. Sounds like a reality surgery uh, show. Yeah, and a worse title. I, I, think, I think what we find with the Mindy Project is... It is an example of how difficult it is to make a really good single camera sitcom. How how many things have to go right for it. Not only does the title have to go right, but the casting and the and the direction and the concept and it all has to be right in that first episode or be so malleable from that first episode that it can uh, it can move out from there. I don't think it's bad though, and I know this is what back to this is what reminded me you said go on because you know I I enjoyed go on. I thought it was a very enjoyable fluffy piece of television that I could imagine, like Brett saying, putting on while I'm not doing the ironing, and I felt this to a degree. This was I don't think it was as good as go on, but I felt that it it it, it yeah it was pleasant. It was totally pleasant. But and it's, not, it's of, not as polished as go on. No, no. But it also made me wonder at the time because I was thinking you know when you were talking about thinking when is good enough. Good enough. Like, you know, like I mean, if if Kazek was saying, it's not terrible. There are some really dreadful sitcoms out there that are just appalling. Mm. This is clearly a lot better than those, and I would much rather be spending my time with this show than than all those others. Like, is there a point where we go, yeah, that's fine for a show like Go On or the Mini Project to just be entertaining for half an hour, to just be a pleasant way to spend your time? That, that there is room for that. There's room for the Eurekas of the world next to the West Wings and and the Wires. You know, like you, you don't mm. necessarily. Everything having to be the best ever. Except that that's the way that television ratings work. Mm -hmm. Television ratings look for the best ever. And that's why Two and a Half Men has been such a success. Because Two and a Half Men is seen to be the best rating Mm -hmm. and uh, appeals to such a large number of people. Uh, the, The Mindy Project has a much more difficult mountain to climb where, uh, there's so there's there's a whole lot of people who are used to watching three camera laughter laughers. They're used to watching things like uh, like Two and a Half Men, where the jokes are spelled out for them. And then there's a, a whole bunch of people who are used to watching shows like The Office and like Community. Mm-hmm. It's a much smaller group. They're used to having the jokes there and finding where they are and and. Thinking of themselves as as a little bit smarter than the than the three camera people usually, and uh, and just because they don't need those cues, so they they're in that they're in that boat. If you've got people who have learnt to appreciate the lack of 
cues with uh, with quality all the way up on on that le- that end of the scale, mm-hmm. and you've got people who uh, just like having everything spelled out for them. The mini project and and go on, and they both end up in this kind of limbo state where everyone can like it and it's inoffensive, but who is it going to appeal to? It, is there a large enough audience in the middle that isn't being catered for at either end of the spectrum? Well, that's more when you're trying to uh, appeal to an audience that you just don't want to switch off. So these are, these are shows that you're not going to be tuning in for, but you're not going to be turning off when they're after the show that you like. Right. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's, that's, that's my feelings. These are the shows you put on after one of the big hits to stop you. And like, so, yeah. so if it goes, if it goes, say, Simpsons, The Mindy Project, and then American Idol, exactly. I'm not going to turn off The Mindy Project no, in between the two. because it's pleasant enough. You'll enjoy it and go, oh, I quite enjoyed that. And it can help make a, a good night of television. That's a very old school approach to television, obviously, not the ones that we actually watch television as, or indeed, I think, most of the box cutters audience. But that is a traditional broadcast television model. And I've got nothing against the idea of the shows being excellent sandwiched with shows that are good. You know, mm-hmm. they're okay. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting idea, I think. And certainly, I would rather a show like that had the time to become great. And I, you know, I'd argue some shows like The X-Files, for example, if they'd been cancelled in the first series, we probably wouldn't remember them. Yeah. But they were given time to do some really interesting stuff. And maybe The Mindy Project will, will do that as it settles down. Hello, I'm Paul Verhoeven from Steampunks, and when I'm not flensing things in the dark, I'm listening to Box Cutters. Oh, yeah. We often talk on Box Cutters about shows that you absolutely must watch, and that that is largely what review shows do, mm-hmm. and sh- shows that review other shows say, you should watch this. Uh, very rarely do shows go back in time to tell you about programs that you should just not bother with. I like to call it must-miss television. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't watch one show this year, this is the one you shouldn't watch. Wow, I already haven't watched many. I'm well above my quota. I know, I know. So so just don't bother a segment. I I think this is the fourth I've done. I I was trying to work out earlier today. Um, I wanted to tell you guys about Naked Jungle. Please, please do, because I have... Okay, okay, from the title, mm -hmm. from the title, I believe this is like a... Uh, a high-powered LA, uh, uh, like Hollywood power play thing where uh, people have sex for roles and and production credits yeah. and and I, really kind of like a model Z yeah, kind of like a thing. action or something. I can see how that could work. Yeah, it isn't. Now I'm going to give you some context uh, before we start. A couple of things you need to know about. So uh, Keith Chegwin is the first one. Keith Chegwin was an actor. He was a musician. He's, uh, this is all UK we're talking at the moment. Cheggers to his mates. Cheggers to his mates. He's best known here in Australia and probably in the US, I would say, as well, for his appearing in, uh, in Ricky Gervais' Extras. He's in, the, I think, it's the first episode of Series 2. Uh, but in the UK, he presented kids' shows in the 70s and 80s, like Multicolored Swap Shop, Cheggers Plays Pop, and Saturday Superstore. So he was really well known as a kind of kids' entertainer presenter. Not the host, usually kind of the wacky offsider. For Australians, probably like uh, Jonathan Coleman, perhaps. Um, for American and Canadian listeners, yep, on your own. But yeah, that kind of American Canadian listeners, Google Jonathan Coleman. Yeah, so he was kind of the wacky guy that rather would do than the, Googling the actual guy that you're talking. About. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just Andy Google. Richter. Um, the other thing you need to know is about Channel Five, which in England uh, at this period was a famous. Dawn Airy, who was the program controller, famously said uh, they represented the three F's, which were films, football, and fucking. Their goal was to reach a 5% audience share at this time we're talking about. That was the goal. The dream was that 5% of people would watch Channel 5. Um, I was actually in the UK at this time, and I seem to remember Channel 5 being a really weird mix of films, sports, soaps, and documentaries about Hitler. Like, they just... They loved a documentary about oh, Hitler. They, they obviously proceeded uh, very quickly after they first launched when they had topless darts and a bunny yeah, presenting yeah. together. The topless darts went and then documentaries about Hitler came in because, you know, hand in hand, they're t- two sides of the same imagine, So damn many of them. Imagine if they'd had topless darts about Hitler. of people throwing, like, the dartboard is Hitler's face. What if it was topless Hitlers though playing darts? See, it can go wrong. Now, in 2000, they decided to do a week's worth of programming to celebrate World Naturism Day uh, and Naturism Week, basically. Basically, nude people. Nude, ugly people. Right. Which is what naturism 
sadly is. Only ugly people. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. There's probably some attractive... But you know how like attractive naked people... people we uh, never see them. People Each are more, to yes, their own. People John. are normally naked because we're watching them being attractive and naked. Naturism is more about Not how... Not the way I... Play. Sorry, what? <laughs> is, is, <laughs> playing <laughs> beach volleyball. Yeah, naturism is all about actually just being naked because it's, it's you're an ordinary person and it's life. And, and yeah, we usually don't see those people, ordinary people naked. They're usually in burkas. So... <laughs> Naked Jungle. Uh, I wouldn't know I shop in Coles. Naked Jungle aired on June 6th, 2000. It was effectively a Naked It's a Knockout hosted by Keith Chegwin, former child uh, show presenter. That is awesome. So the people watching it would have remembered him from their childhoods. And and not only were the contestants naked, Cheggers was naked John, too. How is this possibly just don't bother? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to show you boys a clip from it now. Hello, and a warm welcome to a game show. With a difference. Hey, hey, hey. Hang That's lovely. Just go mad. Hello and a warm welcome to the Naked Jungle, a show to celebrate the world of naturism. Now, we've got people from all walks of life and all age groups too, competing, wait for it, for a cash prize of 5,000 quid. But why Keith Chagrin? Well, you see, it was a choice between Brad Pitt or me. And because I'm the nation's sex symbol, they chose me. <laughs> OK, we've got five couples taking part. Yes, first round, we will play the men against each other. And whoever wins that, we will find a man's champion. Then the ladies will play against each other, and we're looking for the women's champion. Then they'll both go forward, the two winners, that is, to play in the temple of, of the body for that cash prize of 5,000 quid. Yo. But first of all, without further ado, let's meet our contestants. Thomas is 24 and comes from Denmark. He's lived in Britain for the last five years and has always enjoyed taking his clothes off. He was born that way, he says. Andy is from Middlesex and has got four children. He's only been an atrist for a couple of years, but he likes to take his clothes off anywhere where people don't mind. Glenn says he's an atrist for two reasons. Half because he likes doing it and half just to be rebellious. He's married to Cindy, one of our female contestants tonight. Graham is our oldest contestant, but he looks good on it at the age of 48. He works as a joiner, but his unfulfilled ambition is to be... I can't, a I can't look away. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to keep watching. So I don't... I don't know what to do, John. I'll give you a little bit more information about this. The, um, so the set they're playing on uh, is actually, from a, a, again, from an English children's show, <laughs> Jungle Runner, which ran from 1999 to 2006. It was actually quite a long-running show and was effectively a, a fully clothed children version of the game that we're watching. A, a, a good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as we've seen, there are, there are two teams of five, uh, five men, five women. They have to compete against each other. At the end, the men and women who win uh, compete for that huge cash prize of 5,000 5, pounds. Imagine all the trousers you could buy with that. <laughs> and in order to win the games, you have to try and collect as many fig leaves as possible. That was the motif they're going through through all of this. So, so hang on. To celebrate, to celebrate nudity, mm-hmm. the aim of the game is to collect the things that is is commonly referred to. It's an ironic um, It should also be mentioned that uh, one of the contestants, Andy Crawford, who has a blog, he wrote a piece on this. He claims that uh, that Keith Chegwin wasn't intended to be nude. He, he, he just turned up that way. Well, according to his blog, he says he wasn't asked to be nude, but opted to join in the spirit of things. <laughs> the funny thing is that we should point out, it's actually not filmed in any kind of deliberately prurient way. Like, they're not emphasising and they're not trying to hide. They're just filming it exactly as they would if everyone was clothed. There seems to be more handheld camera than in a regular game show. Oh, no, well, it's a well, knockout. Like, it's a knockout. Yeah, it's have shaky. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, this kind of show would, would, would go for that. Try to, of... try to get in the angle to see the action because you don't know where people are going to uh, grab to, grab the, the... There's no way I can do this without it sounding dirty. <laughs> and then, well, there's another interesting thing about that, though, is because we didn't know, I was living in London when this aired. I remember switching this on, watching for a couple of minutes and changing channels. And it really is. It's just boring. I mean, that, that, is, that is the weird thing about nudity or taboos generally is that they'll be shocking for the first five minutes and then you get really acclimatized yeah and then and then it's just a really bad game show. But it's a bad game show hosted quite badly it's a fantastic host i can't look away (laughs) it it does 
it does bring to mind many questions. One being that nudity isn't really the aim here because they're wearing shoes and hats. Well, they're uh, actually wearing the, safety gear, which is quite funny oh, in itself. There is that, a health and safety issue. Yeah. Right. Which, which implies that uh, clearly clothes are important. <laughs> Uh, so, so what? What are they really, really celebrating? Uh, and at the same time, it just looks really boring. It is quite dull. It is. is it's so infamous, though. This production, and that's the interesting thing about it. That it's infamous in a weird way. That even questions, comments were made in the House of Commons in England. This is a quote from the then Culture Secretary Chris Smith. Said inside Parliament, we've noted in recent days considerable concern about some of the content of television, particularly in relation to Channel Five. Government cannot and should not directly intervene, but I believe that the broadcasters have a commercial and a moral duty to take a good account of the views of the public, and I urge them to do so. That's from Hansard from 12th of June. What time of day was this on? Uh, it was, it was late-ish, um, I believe. After the watershed? Yeah, it was definitely which after is, the watershed. Which is quite... Uh, uh, it's 9.30, I think. What's the, the solid line in the water? UK? In, in the UK, there's what they call the watershed, and basically it's the time before which you can't sort of do anything involving nudity and violence, and it's kind of, you know, it's kiddie safe before that right it, it comes this hey here's some boring word stuff people um it comes from a german term and it's actually from a, a term involving uh, geography and it's the point on a mountain i believe in which the rain will roll one way and roll the other when when it rains oh. so so it's a divide it's it's a it's a very strict divide mm-hmm. so but yeah, it's a geographical term because I went looking for it one time when I was bored, thinking, why do the English call it a watershed? Anyway, like weather. It's actually from a German term that, that means watershed. Um, <laughs> pretty much. It's one of those weird German things that's pretty much English. But um, the, the comment, and I want to say for Chris Smith that, that some people could say, well, maybe he's just generally talking. He's not really specifically making reference to this TV show, except that the question was about the provision of regional news services on digital television. So the fact that he managed to give an answer that had nothing to right. do with that meant that he was annoyed. However, there was very few, even though it is so famous in England, there was very little complaint, actually, about it. It doesn't seem anything to, to complain about. Well, it's only if you think nudity is offensive, really. But also, this has been going for almost eight minutes now, mm-hmm. and we've only seen the guys competing. Well, because they take turns. So the guys compete in the first section, then the girls compete in the next section, and then they, they whittle them down until they get the one guy and the one girl to go head-to-head uh-huh. for the final section. Um, who, incidentally, because I know you're all wondering, it was actually uh, Steve, 39, and Cindy. Um, they only completed three of the four puzzles in the Temple of the Body and thus only won £3,000 between them. Oh. But I would say there's only one complaint to the Independent Television Commission. There was only apparently about 50 calls to Channel 5. Uh, what I do like is this lovely quote here about... Uh, we had a call from one woman who thanked us for snapping her out of her postnatal depression. She said it was the first thing that made her laugh for months. <laughs> there, there is something very disturbing about a, a pale, mustachioed, naked man, isn't there? <laughs> it is funny how some of them look like they've been travelled in time from the 70s. They've, they've just gone, yeah, get the, get the, uh, the Channel 5 time machine and go back and get those... German-looking dudes. There's, there's a film, I believe it is Carry On Camping, but I'm not entirely sure, where uh, Sid James and his mates go to this camp thinking that it is a, a, a naturist camp, uh, that they might be able to see some boobs and stuff and, mm-hmm. then, uh, and then discover that it is just a regular like caravanning yep. camp and are quite disappointed, uh, but still try to have some fun. <laughs> uh, every time, every time I, I see uh, naturists, I, I just think of that. I just think of Carry On. And uh, and whenever it is not as entertaining as a carry-on film, <laughs> I'm disappointed. But this is the thing. So these are all real um, naturists. They're on this show because they think, you know, the 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 body is a thing that's you know, doesn't not, need protecting. Doesn't, doesn't need, it's not offensive. Yeah, yeah. And so it is weirdly charming that this exists, but it is again boring to watch, which kind of also proves their point. It was released on VHS in late 2000. I don't think it's ever been released beyond that. Just to finish off, this was a question asked uh, a few years ago of Cheggers. Do you regret doing Naked Jungle? To which he said, oh god, do I. It's the worst career move I made in my entire life. If I could turn the clock back, I would. When they phoned up and said they were doing this program to celebrate naturism, everyone's forgotten that bit. I thought it would be a laugh. They said it was going to go out at 11pm on, on a Tuesday night, and I seriously thought that no one would watch it. Oh my God, was I wrong. Oh, poor Jack. If only he'd kept his pants on. Although, no, his career's doing really well now. So, you know, he's, he's, he's come out quite well from, from it. Surely he would be less embarrassed about doing it. 
Yeah, he did say that, that he, um, it upset his mother so much that he, he would never do anything like that again. <laughs> well, John, I uh, I would have not bothered, except that you forced me to watch it. Yeah, and and now, just don't bother. Letter postman. Have a letter. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Oh, oh, John Richards. Oh, listen, if you can be here in the breaks. I wish you could see what we got up to. Oh, oh, Naked. That's, we haven't done that for a long time, Brett. That's, didn't we used, to, we used to do that with, when, when Ross was here, didn't we? Yep. yep. Yeah, was, we did. Uh, yeah, it's a long time ago. Do you remember Ross, John? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to yeah. meet him. Yeah, that's right. It's weird. And then you became your own person. I know. Congratulations. Thanks. Happy Thanks. Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we've got some uh, some letters to box cutters. They are they are short. I'm told. Do, do you know? I I don't know if I've ever read them. Can I read the letters? Yeah. Can I read them as Brett? Can I get reverb? Ben Harris Roxas says, "I'd like to hear more of Brett as Sophie. Could that become a regular segment? Maybe Brett could call you Ben and just pretend to be Sophie. Is that is that what you want? Darren box cutters." <laughs> Go on, you start. You started wow. now. You started now. This is uh, this is Brett. Because you know he's a, that's all I could do. You know he was. They're, they're trying to poach him for an impro troupe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lisa says the music in the youth off the street ad sounds like the cute Lazarus song "Goodbye Horses" that Buffalo Bill dances to in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> totally creepy. Not a great choice. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Oh, that is creepy. I should point out, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you should, because that's will make these references make more sense. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that will, and and yet maybe just the obscurity is interesting. No, but no, go, go go to go to boxcutters dot net slash episode three two five, and you can uh, you can hear all about those things. And it was a good episode too. And finally, David Ashton has written. I can't believe you still haven't made me George Ed Whistles returning to playing bass for the Who jokes. That is incredibly specific. Also, um, also slightly wrong, because John Entwistle was actually the bass player for The Who. But, uh, yes, that's a reference to the, the BBC director, James Rolls, standing down. And I know that because I googled who was the bass player of The Who oh. to discover 100 versions of the George Entwistle is returning to play bass for The Who joke. So it's, uh, it's, it's out there. It's out there, David. It's been done. If you'd like to send a letter to Box Cutters, you can by emailing us, hooray, hooray. at boxcutters.net. Or you can uh, leave a message on the blog like those good people did. The blog's at boxcutters.net. You'll see the episode. There'll be all sorts of uh, visual instructions on how to get things done there. If you're listening in California and uh, have a package, give it to uh, John Richards when he's over there in person. Oh, we forgot to mention that you're currently in California. I'm going to mention that too. Okay. If you watch one thing. My one thing this week is Problems with Sam Simmons, 8pm Wednesday on ABC One. Can I do my one thing? Please. I would be choosing to watch on Sunday the 2nd of December, I think it's at 4pm, I'd be watching Outland, the ABC's acclaimed science fiction fan club sitcom, which is playing at the Marriott and Burbank in Los Angeles as part of BentCon, the gayer Comic-Con, which I will also be a guest at. Burbank, that's where Chuck was. It is where Chuck lives, yes, and and where the Bymore is. So I'll go looking for the Bymore. But that's, yeah, it's also where uh, it's also where Jeopardy is filmed. That is also true. Yes. That's so exciting. I think it's actually also where Rove McManus films his. You're like a famous well. one. So yeah, so I'll be in Los Angeles um, from uh, tomorrow, our time, uh, yesterday, your time. If you listen this as soon as, as, as it's downloaded. Is. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be in the, in the US for a few weeks, and um, I'll be going to see Craig Ferguson being taped. Um, go see Rev McManus John, being taped. Craig, Craig, Craig. They say, say Craig. Craig. That nobody will understand. Who, who says Craig though? The Americans. The Americans. Because he's Scottish, so I'm going to call him Craig. He but says Craig as well. I don't think he does. So tickets are still available to uh, to see Outland at the uh, Marriott yeah. in Burbank. The, the Marriott. I think you just buy like a day ticket, but it's a very reasonably priced. Uh, festival, and you can also see Jane Espenson from Buffy and writers from Warehouse 13 and Once Upon a Time and all sorts of others. My one thing is uh, a little thing on ABC2 Friday night, 10.25, Jack D live at the Apollo, oh. which is the Hammersmith Apollo in London. Oh, not the uh, Apollo in not Harlem, the Apollo, New York. Yeah, no. 
no, no, not the famous one made famous by James Brown with his Live at the Apollo Volumes 1 and 2 with an excellent version of It's a Man's 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 World. Is So I don't, I don't get So Jack D mm-hmm. and James Brown no, on just stage. Jack D. Just Jack D. James Brown's dead. Looking for the treasure under the big W. Right. That's It's a Man's it's, Man's 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 World, isn't it? <laughs> I think the right one. I thought that was the Phil Silver show. It just goes <laughs> flying out over the edge. Hey, um, my pork is done. John Richards, because I haven't had an opportunity to listen to last week's show yeah. as yet. It's very uh, good. Cherry, good cher- cherry on top. Does yeah. that have its own... Uh... No, it doesn't have a theme tune yet. There's no, there's no particular... Because yeah, it was still being debated, the, the actual change. So how, how do we know when Brenna's ready to do her, her stuff? I think, I think in many ways Brenna is like a force of nature. And one does not get ready for Brenna. Brenna just happens. Mm-hmm. Before she happens, though, mm-hmm. I've, I've, yes, been, I've yes. been another bit of uh, just stupid self-plugging since I managed to shove the other one in that other section. Which is, uh, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks. Are you being served? Friend, uh, friend of Fox Cutters, Ben McKenzie, and myself uh, have a project for next year. This is my my final chance because I'm going overseas. I won't be on the episode to, 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 to plug it. Um, we are doing a live performance slash podcast project for the year entitled "Splendid Chaps: A Year of Doctor Who." And if you're a fan of Doctor Who, we'll be doing a monthly presentation with a panel in which we look at one specific Doctor's era and a broader concept from Doctor Who in itself, uh, which will then be released as a podcast on the 23rd of each month. We'll be covering the 11 Doctors leading up to November 23rd, which will be the final episode released for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. The final episode is coming from Australia Centre for the Moving Image. The first episode, it's probably Trades Hall. Uh, it was still kind of, but it's look. It's probably going to be so like Sunday, the thirteenth of January. Um, we're going to have guests of the Bazura Project's Lee Zachariah, Triple R's Nerida Haycock, and the designer of the original Cybermen, Alexandra Tynan. Oh, great! It's being hosted by Ben McKenzie. Myself, your announcer is Petra Elliott. Now, musical guest is Geraldine Quinn. How awesome is that? That sounds amazing. Doesn't that sound amazing? That so, sounds. That's. Will you send me email with all those details as well? So yes, yeah, so splendidchaps dot com. Um, go there, have a look. That's where. Everything will get sort of confirmed. Tickets will go on sale for the live event and for free. You can download the podcast and it will be, I think, a little bit awesome. Can I come on to talk about that time that Doctor Who was a scarecrow veterinarian? See, this is the thing. You're not really probably knowledgeable enough (laughs) for the... uh for the purposes of our program. And then when people would look at him, he would stop performing on animals. Yeah, that's... that's, See, that's not... Yeah. Is that not... That's not right. Is that... And then he did the voiceover for the... So Splendid Chaps, a year of Doctor Who, uh, and every month we'll be moving to a different location, but go to our website, splendidchaps.com, to keep up to date with that. Is Brenna ready for us? I think she is. I'm always ready for you <gasps> three. Yay! <laughs> but we need a thing, we need a thing. You've got to announce yourself for Hello, someone else Hello, Brenna Connie Glazebrook. <laughs> Hello, She's the cherry on top. Cherry on top. <laughs> I forgot to come in rollerblading in my cut-off denim jeans and bikini top. You always are in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Brenna, what cherries do you have to put on top of this episode of Box Cutters? Well, quite a few. Quite a few. Um, Josh, just earlier, at the very, very top of the program, you were talking about fake snow. Funnily enough, today when I was in Aldi, my favourite <laughs> shopping place ever, not joking, what a bargain, If I ever get famous, I will definitely promote that shopping centre. Anyway, enough of my Aldi love. There is snow in a tube. And we live very close, Josh. It's just snow. snow, No, it's a a, a chemical something or other. And then you add water and it all – pardon me, I got excited. It all bubbles up out of the tube into a huge, big mound of fake snow. Looks like you would – Get cancer from it. It sounds a lot like cancer. Yeah. It's a tube that, of cancer from Aldi. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, particular, that particular Aldi, which is uh, this is St Kilda Aldi, yeah. uh, it smells horrible. I can't no, go had, in they've it. They've had a makeover. Have they? Yep. It doesn't now. smell anymore? No, nah, it's good. Oh. It smells of bargains. That's what it smells <laughs> like. Well, so noted. I actually picked it up and went, Phew, I could. And then I said, you know what? No, it's still November. Hold off. Hold off. <laughs> But if you so, hold off now with those bargains, how could you know it'll be because there? Because you know what? They are literally walking out the door <laughs> and giving people cancer. 
So I'll look. I'll do it. I'll be the. I'll be the snow in a tube experiment girl. Make sure you film it, and we can put it up and link to it on the blog. <laughs> it's going to be like putting a Mentos in a bottle of Coke. It's going to be amazing. Um, can you take insurance out on your face before you? Uh... <laughs> it's my money maker. Um, Thanksgiving, Brett. I looked up your fascinating little tidbit there, and it was um, it was Franklin D. Roosevelt who actually moved Thanksgiving back a week. Um, Brett he, was right. Mm-hmm. He was right. That just sounded like crazy talk from you, Cropley. <laughs> but that's 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 the kind of outrageous thing that FDR used to do. <laughs> I know. He he had a good excuse though apparently because it was the depression he was doing all that he could to get the US economy running again um which meant that mm. because he moved the Thanksgiving back a week there was actually a longer shopping period between mm. Thanksgiving and Christmas, Christmas so everyone could go out and spend their their $1 notes and other America American uh, currency which I don't know uh and quarters. Uh, and quarters yeah dimes. pennies Nickels. dimes John, and, John um, make, make that stop. Can you, <laughs> can you make that stop? You got a second round of Brett Sophie. You can yeah, have yeah. one round of me being an I American. Didn't, well, I the weird thing is you actually sounded Canadian. That was the weird oh, thing right. that Brenna actually ended What's up sounding Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so Brent, Brenna Loonies. sounded Canadian and, uh, and Brett just sounded like Irish. Loonies and toonies. Um, I thought that I would... Look, I, I, I also have a feeling just from watching community deleted scenes that Chevy Chase would be a bit of an a-hole to work with um but i can't help but always have this sort of sweet you know memory of him from the um you can call me al film clip with paul simon i just i can't i just i just love him so much from that film clip um not necessarily from memoirs of an invisible man but just from the paul simon film clip and i thought i'm going to stand up for chevy uh, i think he's getting a bad rap um so i did a little bit of research on him and he's apparently an active environmentalist which is great um and and he's a charity fundraiser uh he raised money and campaigned for bill clinton in the 1990s which is good right is yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm right I'm a big 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 Clinton fan, big um, big Clinton fan. Yeah, he um, he he, he criticised uh, President George W. Bush during a speech at the People for the American Way benefit at the Kennedy Center, referring to the president as an uneducated, real lying schmuck and a dumb f bomb. Um, so I thought, you know what? He's not all bad. Oh, He's not all you bad. Both what it goes from. Isn't yeah. <laughs> if, if 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 a woman like Brenna can find the good in someone like Chevy Chase. Chase. I think that gives us all hope. Yeah. <laughs> You're all Chevy Chases in my eyes. Oh. Um, international. <laughs> yeah, she means that. <laughs> <laughs> the International Emmys, which I didn't even know existed until today. What a wonderful thing. And I so wish that um, that they would give an award to the crime drama Inspector X. I just want to see a German shepherd get up on stage and, <laughs> and, and, th- and take an award and give it a little, little, ow, 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 little speech. Yeah. speech. If only we were still making Skippy. Oh, yeah. What's that, Skip? You'd like to thank all the producers. <laughs> um, and I think that his ham roll should win Best Supporting uh, Actor in the, in that. If for anyone, Commissar Rex or uh, Inspector Rex. I'm familiar with his work. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. It's so brilliant. I, I love the fact that if you ever watch Inspector Rex, you assume that you know any dog-related crime-solving show is going to have to be... F- Fairly simple, child-friendly crimes. But no, it's often things like drug abuse or, or yeah. copyright infringement. It's just insane stuff yeah. that Inspector Rex is... There was an episode where one man got HIV, so he went to go and kill everybody in his orgy party. So that's like not really child-friendly or, or how's a dog going to... What's German child-friendly? It's a ge- <laughs> that's right. It's different oh. in Germany. Oh. Um, you're talking about problems, Sam Simmons' problems. Mm. Um Interesting fact about Sam Simmons is I have also made out with him. So <laughs> this segment's just becoming make out with Brenna Courtney. We'll tell us each week who you've kissed on That's, the show. It's I, like it's like we'll be wondering, going, we'll get to the end. Who's going to be? Will it be Angela Lansbury? We're not sure. And then it'll just be like, yeah. I've definitely made out with Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Back in her bed knobs and broomsticks phase. Oh, I'm quite prepared for you to save this information for another episode, but with or without moustache. Um, well, it happened a few times <laughs> over a course of years. So right. firstly, with bald and no moustache, and then secondly, with moustache and bald, and then hair and moustache. 
Oh. It was like Job, you know, lights off, glasses on, <laughs> hair down. There was definitely a winning combo, but I don't want to go into that. <laughs> oh, Brenda Cotney Glazebrook, thank you so much for your uh, for your cherry on top. <laughs> You're welcome. Now brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode three hundred and twenty six. I want to say thanks very much to John and Brett for carrying me through this episode. I did no prep at all, <laughs> and yet it made no difference. I- <laughs> That's Maybe it's really, our best one. That is so upsetting. It's <laughs> so upsetting. Until next week, when I will not be in the US. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I'm Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. And I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time. Same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. So, John, you're currently in the US. Yes. And next week you'll be in the US. Yes. And then the week after, which is another John Richards show, you'll be in the US. I will. But... You'll be in the studio. Yes. I'll be both in the studio on the show and in the US in San Francisco. Hmm. And so has all this watching of Doctor Who made you actually be Doctor Who? Are you going to turn into a scarecrow? (laughs) (laughs) I do love it by your perception of Doctor Who. It's the show about the scarecrow who just stick his arm up cows. Yeah, it's a scarecrow who's a vet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so is my understanding. The Vet Scarecrow, which, uh, Channel 10, if you're still looking for projects for next year, The Vet Scarecrow. I know exactly who would p- play that role. Who? Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>